0: We'll take your Bible. Turn the Book of John. We'll be in John chapter fifteen. Uh, I, in my education and my study, I had to study a lot of church history and, in particular, Baptist history. And one of my favorite things to do is to study Baptist preachers. And I came across a Baptist preacher from Texas. In the 1800s, he was an evangelist. He traveled around, and he would preach, and he would start new churches, and he would do revivals at existing churches, and he went into this particular church, and he was uh, preaching there, and folks were getting saved, and lives were being changed, and whenever God's at work, Satan's at work too, and in that community uh, were a bunch of ruffigans who didn't like what the preacher was saying and doing, so they began to threaten the preacher. They said, tonight, we are coming to church and we are going to shoot the preacher. That was what, can you believe that? That's what, they, that's what they said. And so the preacher got up that day. I mean, the place was packed. People were outside. The windows were open. They were listening through the windows. I mean, it was packed there at the church. I guess they were wanting to see somebody shoot the preacher. I don't know. But the preacher got up, and he set his Bible on the pulpit. And then he set on the pulpit his rifle. And he said, all right, now I'm ready to preach, right? But a preacher ought not have to do that. And you, as a follower of Christ, you ought not to do that. But I want you to know, not everybody in this world is happy that you follow Jesus. In fact, he's going to say here in a moment that, uh, that we will be hated for that. A great theologian once said, Haters gonna hate, 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 hate. I'm just gonna shake, 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 shake it off. Y'all know who that theologian is. What's funny is the young folks know it and the not so young folks know it too. Isn't that scary and dangerous at the same time? Y'all need to be listening to Jesus music. I'm just saying, you people, you people, you people. But it's not easy just to shake that off. But I want to give you encouragement in the midst of hatred because we're all going to face it. So open your Bibles up. John chapter 15 will begin in verse 18. What I want to show you today to give you this encouragement, I'm going to show you three main things. First, I'm going to show you an expectation of hatred. I'm going to show you an explanation of hatred. And then I'm going to show you an exaltation of hatred. So let's start first with an expectation of hatred. An expectation of hatred. Beginning in verse 18. If the world hates you, Understand that it hated me before it hated you. Now, the word for hate there in the Greek text, it means to hate somebody. It means to have a great disdain for them. It means that you don't like them very much. But this particular word has a a nuance to it in that it is hatred that is undeserved. It's someone hating someone for no good apparent reason and so it says here if the world hates you now uh, the you he's talking to the disciples no doubt but what is the world now the world the word for world is cosmos it's the it's the opposite of chaos it's the idea of order and so we talk about outer space and all of the heavenly things being the cosmos, because when we look up in the sky and we see the stars and we see the planets and we see all of galaxies, that it we notice that there is order there, that it's been put in order. Order, So we call it the cosmos. Uh, The word cosmos is used to refer to the planet. When it's world, it's referring to the planet earth because when we look at nature, when we look at the earth, uh, we see order there. And so cosmos is used for that. But here the word is used of people, not of a planet or of all of that out there. It's used of people. And when it's used of people, it's the, it, remember, it's order, it's organization. So by using that word to refer to the world and to people, it's not just people that are out there, but it is people in an organized fashion. There is an organization out there where people are organized and in order and put together, and they are organized in opposition to the kingdom of God. The Bible says the prince of the power of the air is the king over this world, and his name is Satan. And so you have a world order that is opposed to Almighty God. When you look at politicians today... And some of them make decisions where you scratch your head and you say, how can they make a decision like that? It goes so contrary to what the Bible teaches. It's because they are not marching to the beat of the Bible. They are marching to the beat of their master, and that's Satan. This old world is against the kingdom of God, and because of that, Those who are part of that world are against the people of God. And it says that they hate you. They hate you. The word there for if the world hates you is not if, but it carries the idea of when. It's not a question of if you will face opposition because of your faith in Christ. It's when you will face that. The early disciples had faced it already. You may remember this, but the Jews said, if you follow Jesus, we're kicking you out of the synagogue. We're kicking you out of life. You're not going to get a job. You're not going to have, you're out, a social outcast if you follow Jesus. We see a man named Saul who became Paul. And the man named Saul was a religious zealot of Judaism, and he was traveling around, and what was he doing? He was arresting people, and he was throwing them in prison, and he was having them executed for the crime of being a follower of Christ. We see Stephen, the first Christian martyr, and he was stoned to death. And why was Stephen stoned to death? Because he had murdered someone? Because he had committed treason? What was he guilty of? Being a Christian. Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Leave that on the screen for a moment. Look at that. It doesn't say may be persecuted, might be persecuted. It says they will be. And then it says all who want to live a godly life. If you want to follow Christ and genuinely follow Jesus, then you need to expect to be persecuted. In fact, the Bible goes on to say in chapter in uh, 1 John 3.13, Do not be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Does anybody know what getting ear-hole, ear-holed is all about? Y'all know what it, getting ear is? You don't? So, uh, playing football... Uh, you've got a helmet on, and you've got a hole here where you can see out of, and then on your helmet, you've got holes right here so that you can hear out of it. They're called your ear hole, all right? And uh, in the game, you might be running this way and looking that way, and somebody hits you right here and blindsides you. They hit you in the ear hole, and when you get hit in this ear hole, this ear hole hits the ground, all right? That's what happens. You do not want to get ear-holed. Anybody played football and had that happen to them? Let's see. Don't lie. Don't lie. You know it, and it's not fun. In fact, they have tried to take that out of the game, and they say, no, don't do that, but I played before they kind of got wimpy in football, and buddy, you were aiming at people's ear-holes when I played. That's what you wanted. You want to put them out, and so uh, you don't get ear-holed. Now, why would that happen? It's because uh, you weren't expecting the hit. That same person comes at you, and you see them coming, and you expect that hit, that hit will be a whole lot different than when you are blindsided and you don't see it coming. Because when you don't see it coming, you hadn't put up any defenses. If you don't see them coming, you're totally surprised. And when you don't see it coming, it ends up being damaging. I don't want you to walk through life. And Jesus was about to leave his disciples, and he didn't want them to walk through life thinking that everybody was going to love them. And so what he did was he said, Look, I'm giving you an expectation that you want to follow me? This is what's going to happen. I do not want you to get spiritually earholed because you're not aware of the fact that the world hates you. Because do you know what happens when we get surprised by that? When When we have someone that won't let us be part of their peer group because we name Jesus, uh, that they start making fun of us because we name the name of Jesus, uh, because they uh, won't give us a raise or they won't give us a grade or they won't whatever uh, because, simply because we name the name of Jesus. i found that you can't discriminate against hardly anything in this world unless someone names the name of Jesus, then they can discriminate all they want. Do you know what happens when we sense that and when we feel that? Do you know what happens? If we're not ready for it and we don't know that it's happening, it will discourage us. It will discourage us. It will discourage us from following Christ. It will discourage us from speaking up and speaking out. It will discourage us from living that life following Jesus. Uh, What they're trying to do is they are trying to shut us up and snuff us out. And so there will be literally hatred uh, towards you and towards me. And some of you, frankly, and I'm sad for this reality, some of you are going to be gathering with family this week. And you have family that are of the world, belong to the world, you show up, they tense up and they're going they're going to express that hatred towards you. And I'm sorry that that's happening. But the way to keep encouraged in the midst of that is to expect it and know that it's coming. Another thing that helps is if we can explain that hatred. If I know where it's coming from, if I can explain it, that helps me out as well. So he gives us an explanation beginning there in verse 19. He's going to tell us two things that explain this. Well, really three, but two that I'm going to focus on. The first is in verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. Now, he uses there a a couple of times this phrase, of the world, or ek cosmos, out of or of the world. And he says in verse 19, the very beginning, he says, if you were ek cosmos, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But when he says ek cosmos there, he is saying when you belong to the world, when you are a member of the world, when you're a member of that organization, then they're going to love you. They're not going to hate you. And then he uses it again. It says, however, because you are not ek cosmos, but I have chosen you ek cosmos. He uses it again. How does this work? Well, the idea is when someone comes to Christ, the, this terminology of chosen, they are plucked out. They are pulled out. They belong to that organization. They belong to that world. But when they come to Jesus, when they are saved, the old is gone. The new is here. And what happens is we all belong to that organization But when we were saved, we got pulled out of that organization. We no longer belong to that world. Now we belong to the kingdom of God and to Jesus. And so just like later today, when those ball teams are playing, they're going to look at a man on the other side of them, and if they have the same insignia on their helmet, they are not going to try to knock their lights out. But if they have a helmet with the other insignia... They're going to try to do it. Why? Because they are not ek us. They do not belong to us. They belong to somebody else. And listen to me. There are only two types of people in the world. Those who belong to Jesus and those who belong to the world. That's it. That's it. You say, oh, well, they're good people. Okay, fine. They still are on the team. On the world's team. They're still going to hate you because you are a Christian on the opposing team. So the world hates you, first of all, you write this down, the world hates you because of where you fit. Because of where you fit. You don't fit with them. You don't belong to them. You may go to school with them, but you don't belong with them. You may live in a home with them, but you don't belong to them. Uh, you, You may go to work with them, but you don't belong to them. You belong to Jesus. The world hates you because of where you fit. But secondly, the world hates you because of whom you follow. The world hates you because of whom you follow. Look at verse 20. Remember the word I spoke to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But they will do all these things to you on account of my name. Why? Because they don't know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. The one who hates me also hates my father. If I had not done the works among them that no no one else had done, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. What we have here is, he says, the servant is not greater than the master. What he's saying is the same way that people treated Jesus is the way they're going to treat the followers of Jesus he says if they persecuted me they'll persecute you if they kept my word they'll keep your word and the idea is however they treat me is the way that they're going to treat you how'd they treat Jesus Uh, did Jesus receive justice no did they ever lie about Jesus did they ever verbally abuse Jesus Did they ever physically abuse Jesus? Uh, They ultimately killed Jesus, didn't they? And the same way that the world treated Jesus is the way he's going to treat you and me. And, And the way that that encourages us is if you are experiencing the hatred of the world, that means you're in good company with Jesus Christ himself. Keep reading how that applies. He explains it, verse 21. He says, because they don't know the one who sent me. Now, how in the world uh, do they not know? Are they just ignorant? Are they totally ignorant of the truth about God? No, they're not. Notice what he says. He says, if I had not come and spoken to them, and if I had not done these miracles to them, then they would be without sin. Without what sin? The sin of rejection, sin of hating. It says they don't know him, but is it because they've never heard of him? No. There is no generation that did not have a clearer picture of Jesus Christ than this generation. There was no one that had a clear opportunity, not just to hear Him, but to see Him. He was physically there with them. They listened to His teaching and His preaching. They witnessed the miracles that He did. They could ask questions if they didn't understand it, and they did many times. But the bottom line was, they didn't know the Father. Not because they didn't have the information, but because they did and they chose to reject it. They chose to reject it. So you have here this world that's out there, and they have heard the good news. They know what the Bible says. I I had a guy uh, a few weeks ago, and he was talking about church. And he knew I was a pastor. He said, well, you're a pastor. I said, yeah. Where do you pastor? First Baptist Church, downtown Lafayette. Okay. I said, where do you go to church? Well, you know, I grew up this and that. don't really go to church. He said, I've been thinking I need to go to church. I was like, oh, great, okay. Well, you know, come to First Baptist. He goes, well, he says, I don't know. I I didn't tell him about First Baptist exactly like that. But he said, I want to go to one of those churches where they don't really say, well, this is what the Bible says and we believe what it says. Now, why would you not want to go to a church that says, this is what the Bible says, we believe what it says? Because you know what it says, and you've already made up your mind that you don't want it. I don't really care to read a book about being fit. (laughs) I know what it's going to say, and I don't like it, so I'm just not going to read it. That is where the world is. They know what it says. They've already made up their mind about it. They don't want to read it. They don't want to believe it. And whenever you show up in the room, you are shedding the same light of Jesus that Jesus has shed. And they love the darkness and they run for it. And so they try to get you to shut the light up. And again, it is not because of who you are. It is because whose you are. You are a follower of Jesus and that brings that on you. Listen to what uh, the Bible says. John chapter 7, verse 7. The world cannot hate you, but it does hate me because I testify about it that its works are evil. Luke 10 16. Whoever listens to you listens to me, whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. And in Acts 22 8, Saul, before he became Paul, was persecuting the Christians, and Jesus shows up, and Saul says, I answered, Who are you, Lord? And Jesus said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, the one you are persecuting. Now, who was Saul persecuting? The Christians or Jesus? Yes, because persecuting you is persecuting Jesus himself. And so we follow him and we walk with him. And because of him, the world hates us. Uh, Recently, the... United States House of Representatives got a new Speaker of the House. His name is Mike Johnson. Uh, He is a Baptist. He is from Louisiana. Uh, He's a member, I believe, of Cypress Baptist Church in Benton, Louisiana, which is a very strong Bible-believing Baptist church in North Louisiana. The early service had one thing against Mike Johnson. He lives north of (laughs) I-10. That's all they had against him. But as I've been reading the responses of people to his election to be speaker of the house, uh, there were some that loved him and there were some that did not love him. And those that did not love him, I began to read what they were saying about him. And you know what? Uh, They didn't say that he was arrogant or boastful or prideful. They didn't say that he was cutting or mean or angry. They didn't say that he was unfair or unjust. Uh, They they didn't say that he was a, a jerk. They didn't say any of those things. Do you know what their complaint was? He's a Christian. He's a Christian. And that was enough for them. To hate him. My friends, wherever you go, you name the name of Jesus. He is with you. I'm telling you, do not be discouraged. Because you know why they are rejecting you. You know why they are persecuting you. You know why they are attacking you. You know why? Because of him. And I'm sorry it happens, but it's part of it. Look at what it says in verse 25. Kind of a third thing where you fit, but also uh, who you follow. And this, this is in line not just with their attitude, but also with Scripture. But this happened so that the statement written in their law might be fulfilled. They hated me for no reason. Guys, listen to me. When they hate you, it is for no reason. It is unfounded except for the fact that you named the name of Jesus Christ. Let me give you a last thing. Third, an exaltation of hatred. How can we exult in that? How can we thank God in that? Well, let me give it to you. First of all, there are four things. You write these down. When you experience hatred, it is an opportunity for blessing. It is an opportunity for blessing. Write down Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When you experience that persecution, that is a great blessing from God. And it's something that you can rejoice in and something that you can praise Him in. Secondly, when you experience hatred and persecution, it is an opportunity for assurance. Assurance of salvation and that you're walking with Christ. In Acts chapter 22, some of the disciples were arrested and they were tried before the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin uh, released them. And in Acts chapter 22, verse 8, excuse me, Acts 5, not 22, Acts five, forty-one. Then they went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully on behalf of the name. What? They went home rejoicing, not because they got let loose, but because they were treated shamefully. Because when they were treated shamefully, it revealed that the people angry at them recognized the aroma of Jesus in their life. They were living like they ought to live and they received what they expected to receive. What it did is it confirmed and affirmed in their life that they were following Jesus and they were living for Him. You see, we should not be afraid and concerned when we receive persecution and hatred. We should be afraid and concerned when we don't. Because they're never going to be angry at someone that doesn't walk with Christ. They're never going to persecute someone who doesn't name the name of Jesus. And if we cower before those and we're afraid of those that may pick on us and they may treat us poorly and shamefully, if we cower, then we are walking the wrong direction. But when that happens, it gives us an opportunity for assurance of our walk with Christ. A third one, it gives us an opportunity for witness. It gives us an opportunity for witness. In Luke 21, verse 12 through 15, listen to what Jesus said. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to bear witness. Therefore, make up your minds not to prepare your defense ahead of time, for I will give you such words and a wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. What he's saying here is, When you encounter this type of persecution, that provides an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Do you remember, talked about Saul. He was saved. He was renamed Paul. He was a great missionary and preacher of the gospel. He was in Jerusalem, and he was arrested by mob action. They wanted to kill him. It was unjust. He went through the justice system of the Roman Empire, and he ended up appealing to Caesar. He went to Rome. While he was in Rome, he was chained to two guards day in and day out they rotated through these were the praetorian guards these were the bodyguard of the emperor and he was able to witness while he was there to every one of those men what do you think he was talking to to the praetorian guard when they were chained to him he ended up before caesar himself what do you think he gave as his defense to caesar himself what do you think he talked about So he was able to have an evangelistic audience with the most powerful man on the planet. And all of that took place because he was unjustly arrested and tried back in Jerusalem. It was because of the persecution and the hatred that they had towards him that ended up giving him the opportunity to give a witness in Rome. He would have never been able to do that without the persecution. There's an opportunity for witness. And then fourth... There's an opportunity for ministry. There's an opportunity for ministry. Guys, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It hurts when people hate you. I don't want to be hated, do you? I don't really care for that. I know it's coming. I'd rather Jesus be happy with Je- be happy with me and be hated than, than the other way around. But I don't really care for that pain and that brain damage and that heartburn in my life. And so it's tough and it's hard. And there are many in here that are dealing with it. And I want you to notice what Jesus says right before he starts talking about this. Go back to John chapter 15 and verse 17 and look what he says. This is what I command you, love one another. And then immediately, if the world hates you, why would he say love one another and then the world hates you? At my house, we try, emphasize the word try, we try to make that a safe place in which everyone in that house Loves and encourages one another. That's difficult. We have four boys. Don't forget the girl. And we want a a place so our children they're at school, they're at ball, they're at their activities, they're doing those things, and people are downing them all the time, down and down and down and discouraged, discouraged, discouraged. If they're walking for Christ, hating them, hating them, hating them, we want them to come home, and at home they are encouraged, and they are lifted up, and they are built up, and they want to come home because they are looking for the encouragement that only home can give. Parents, can I get a witness? That's what you want at your house. You're going to leave here today? And you're going to get out in the world. You're going to get out in the world. And they're going to tear you down. And they're going to chew you up. And they're going to spit you out. And they're going to discourage you and they're going to attack you, and they're going to hate you, and it's going to be tough, and it's going to be bad, and you're going to be discouraged, and you're going to be beat down. And do you know what this place is? Do you know what this church is? This is not just the family at your house, but this is the family in God's house. This is the family of God, and this is designed for you to come here and find a place of encouragement and find a place of ministry and find a place that will come alongside you and will love on you and will pray with you and for you. So that after you get beat up out there, You can come in here and be encouraged. And with that in mind, we don't need to have any of that mess that's out there coming in here. I ain't talking about the people. Come on in. I'm talking about the hatred and the backbiting and the gossip and the discouragement and the name-calling and all of that mess. Leave that out there. We don't need it here. What we need here is ministry and love for one another. Help me a little bit. And they're like, no, nah, preacher, I don't know. I kind of like coming in here and getting cussed out. That's kind of fun. I, that's the reason I come every week, right? January 5th, 1527, an Anabaptist leader named Felix Mons was arrested and tried and condemned to execution. Uh, not because he had done anything bad other than he had preached salvation by grace through faith and they had preached being baptized believer's baptism by immersion the authorities at that time were not happy about that and so they arrested him and they tried him and they condemned him to execution their method of execution was they were going to tie him up take him to the middle of lake zurich tie a weight to him, and then throw him overboard and execute him literally by baptism. They thought that was funny. And so they took him to the shore of Lake Zurich. All these people began to gather around, and as they were taking him out in that boat, the acoustics on the lake were perfect, and he began to preach. And he was preaching Jesus. And he was preaching forgiveness. And he was preaching salvation. They got out to the spot where they were going to throw him in. And they began to put the anchor on him and get him all tied up and ready to go. The crowd was gathered there. And a voice rose above the sound of the crowd. And a shout rang out. the shout said, Be faithful! Be faithful! And I have no doubt that Felix Mons recognized the voice because it was the voice of his mother. And So when you go home this week and you're not receiving the love because you named the name of Jesus, And the rest of your family doesn't be faithful. You go back to work this week, and you're not allowed at the water cooler. You're not invited to the happy hour. You're not in on all the office talk. Be faithful. You get back to school next week. And they're both poking fun at you. And they're wanting to include you and they're trying to get you to come off of following Christ. Be faithful. Friends, you and I face it every day. In one way or another. And when we do, be faithful. Let me do this right quick. Show of hands. How many of you would say that you either recently or currently have endured some form of that persecution or hatred because you named the name of Jesus? Show of hands. Let's see. Raise them up high. We can look around. I'm going to say, up high. Get up high. Don't be afraid. Look around. Up high. Y'all are doing this. you see me. If I do that, that. Hold them back up again. All right. Y'all look around. Up in the back. Are other hands up there? Y'all see y'all looking around? All right. Here's what we're finna do. What we're finna do? I didn't say put your hands down. Here's what we're going to do. I'm about to freak some of y'all out right now. Are you ready? Somebody is going to pray for you out loud. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Hold your hand up. And I'm going to ask our church to go find somebody with hand raised. Just put your hand on the shoulder. You may not know who they are. You don't know what's going on. And I want you to pray over them out loud. After somebody's prayed for you, you put your hand down. You go pray for somebody else. But I want us to pray over them. All right? Are you all ready? So do you all understand what I'm trying to do? I'm going to ask you to get up and go to these people and pray over them. The other option is for you all to come up on stage and do it up here. But we're not going to do that because there's too many of you. So if you would, put your hand back up in the air where we can see it. The rest of us, go find somebody and pray over them. When you're done, drop that hand and go pray for somebody else Till all the hands are down. Got it? On your mark say go. Hands up, hands up. Let's see you. Find somebody around you with a hand up. Pray over them. Hands up, everybody. Don't be ashamed. Look around. Find somebody who's enduring that. Keep your hands up till somebody gathers on you. Keep your hand up. balcony. You got hands up there? I can't hardly see you up yonder. Y'all gather around and pray over them that God might encourage them. Our Father in heaven, we love you. We want to be obedient to you. We worship you. Lord, thank you that you showed us the way on how to maintain faithfulness in the midst of that discouragement. Lord, thank you for letting us know this was happening so that we could expect it. Lord, I I pray that we would use this as a time to praise you and to glorify you and to be a witness for you. Help us be faithful. Don't let us cower before that anger, and before that hatred. Don't, Don't let us run. Don't let us be quiet in the midst of that. But let us be stronger because of it. Lord, let us live a life thanking you that your mercy is new every morning, that your grace is sufficient for us to help us through. We thank you in Jesus' name.